It was a day of unrest for King David. The Chronicles speak clearly of him. David has been anointed three times and from Samuel to Hebron and finally in Jerusalem, he, he has assumed the unity of the nation, but he also considers the opulence of his own living. He said, I had it in my heart to build a house for my God. Besides, the rest of the world had temples and monuments for their gods, and there was nothing for the God of Israel. Even though the Lord did not ask or desire a temple, David was given permission to proceed. Not a declaration, but permission. He gathered supplies and wood and the precious metals most coveted by every age. He made plans and drawings, and he was ready to build until God gave pause and handed the construction off to Solomon. It was in David's heart, but it was called Solomon's temple because Solomon built it. The magnificence of Solomon's temple astounded the world. The queen of Sheba came to see it and all that Solomon had done. She almost fainted at the splendor of the half, she said, had not been told. But in time, as the drift separated the kings from God's purity, Israel was overrun and Solomon's temple was both ravaged and eventually burned. The ashes is all that was left. Even the foundation of it was torn away. Incredibly enough, the foundation was ripped up. I won't deviate too much here, but the devil's design in our life is to take away more than just what we see. He wants to take away your foundation, all moral compass and principles of your life. You see, the drift is that distance from where a person exists and where God dwells. The drift is the spread between the original call and where a person is right now. I know the season that's upon us and maybe protocols will make their own claim at some other point, but God's drawing spirit demands our attention to the time and the season that's far beyond the holiday in which we reside. If you can hear this today, You can hear the spirit. Don't let the holiday or the world crisis or media or entertainment or anything separate you from your first love. Protect your first love. Just a word to the hearer. They had the cloud of glory and they had a temple. They had the glory of the Most High God and it filled the place that they had designated for his purpose. But Solomon and the people drifted from God's holiness and they lost everything they built. You'll never know what you lose when you drift from the presence of God's voice. The Lord spoke to you. He gave you a word and many things will come in between that word and where you are now to pull you away. And the first temple was gone, was plundered. It was given away until finally it was completely removed. And then many years later, a second temple was built. It was much smaller than the first, insomuch that when they dedicated the second temple, not even the entire construction just laid the foundation of it. 
The Bible says that the sound of rejoicing and weeping was indistinguishable. The young men were rejoicing because a new temple had been built in their time, but the old men were crying because they remembered the grandeur of the former. That second temple stood for about 500 years, it seems. And Tammy's and I, our research, about every 500 years, something major happens in the world. That second temple temple stood for 500 years, in which time King Herod the Great expanded its territory. Herod enhanced that modest 6th century B.C. temple with a temple complex that covered a staggering 35 plus acres. There were new retaining walls and the leveling of an uneven land. One or two walls still stand today. And yes, there were rooms to house both attendants and priests and temple caretakers. Some have opined of apartment-type rooms just off the main platform of the temple area. Scholars have long considered the audacious advances of Herod's architects and the common need for cleaners and attendants and maintenance personnel and other duties to be fulfilled. So when you read of Luke chapter 2, we're reading of a nation adrift. We're looking at a silent heaven Four-decade-long silence and a handful of faithful few. It's here that we find two names, Simeon and Anna. Simeon had found his life's ambition waiting for the day when he saw the Lord. He prayed that he would not perish. Anna had lived the majority of her life as a widow, also serving and waiting Simeon kept something alive in his own heart for decades of time. We are told that he was older than Anna's 84 years. And to him, his life was not about gain. It was about waiting. It was about looking, hoping. And to him, God had promised that he would not die until he saw the Christ. He was serving and watching and believing. Almost no evidence around him. In fact, nothing. Their lives are wrapped up going about the duties in this expansive temple. The demands on them never went away. But they were doing more than just completing the to-do list. They were waiting for the day. How easy would it be for them to get lost among the masses or get entangled with the cares of their lives? The temple priests and guards and hierarchy of religious sects, all of them combined, it was a clutter of humanity. Hundreds of thousands of people coming and going year after year. But there they were serving, watching, waiting. The Messiah to come drew their attention and their heart's desire. They grew up in an era where there were no miracles. and Where there's no revelation, no light, no understanding. Just a hope, a word. They were living off of a word, an ancient word, an ancient word. And when it happened, when it finally happened, when the Spirit drew Simeon into the temple... He said, in so many words, I can die now. I can die in peace, for I have seen the consolation of Israel. I have seen salvation held him in my hand. I've, I feel that spirit. I, I, I know that voice. I read that many times. and we were, we were sitting over here on our chairs there as the service was going on and one Sunday night the place was exploding and people were shouting and dancing and people were receiving healing and the Holy Spirit was being poured out and people were speaking in tongues and, and I would just, I knelt down and got back up and, and when I got back up, Brother Heiss, Elder Heiss was standing there, he hugged me and with tears in his eyes, he said, Pastor, I've always wanted to be in a church like this. 
I've hoped my whole life to see people worshiping, worshiping like this. This is what I wanted my whole life. There are people who, that's what they're waiting for, hope. It's not easy, ladies and gentlemen. There are losses along the way. There's a challenge to your faith and a challenge to your relationship. There will be challenges in relationships in the church and outside the church. There are moments of mundane living, mundane, going through the motions over and over again. And you'll question and wonder, well, is the Lord really alive? Is he ever coming back? Is this worth it? The mundane will get you. Don't be weary and well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. But weary and well-doing is a common thing. Many people die doing well because they get lost because they're looking for something. They're looking for, for the moment of his coming and people get weary. And maybe that's why Jesus said that the person who shall, and I quote, endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Because there's an endurance. This is not a quick sprint. It's a long race. It's a marathon. Jesus said in Luke 21, 19, in your patience, possess ye your souls. One commentary wrote it like this. While you wait, the faithful waiting allows you to take possession of the part of you that will never die. Simeon and Anna were living by faith. They were really living by faith. They had nothing more than a promise that the Christ would come. Their lives were led by faith. They were in the present, but living with an eye for the future. And every year that passed by, the future became a little darker. A priest and a prophetess, well on in years, most likely they've lived outlive their peers. There is no mention of attending families, just daily service in the temple and a commitment to the hope that one day they would see the incarnate God. They had to live through transitions of opposing oppressors of Judah. Governments changed. Those oppressors came and went. The laws became contrary to them. Rome presented a military state to the citizens of Jerusalem. They had no real freedom. Simeon and Anna never knew a time when Israel governed herself. They were born and lived and died in troubled times. And the complexities of Herod the Great, oh, there's so many, I, I don't want to go through it all, but he only made it worse. And then coupled with that was the religious corruption of the priesthood, which used this expanded temple as a commercial industry rather than a house of prayer. Jesus said as much. But there they were waiting, hoping, looking, enduring, waiting for a savior. They didn't even know his name. Nobody even knew his name. They just called him the Christ, the Messiah. We're waiting for him. And the question becomes apparent for all of us. Because another year will pass and I'm not the only one who's getting older. Some of you are getting older. In fact, some of you have gotten even older than you are. Maybe. I don't know. The question, however, is, will you wait? Can you endure until the end? Because I grew up in Pentecost all my life, and I, in fact, I grew up in the church all my life, and every preacher, from my father and mother to all the evangelists and all the people came up, they all told us, Jesus is coming soon. But he didn't come yet. He's not here. In fact, from the time they, that I first heard it till now, things haven't gotten better. We haven't evolved. 
We, we haven't grown. So the question is, can you endure whatever comes your way? Because things will come your way. They are here and they will come your way. Is the hope of Jesus Christ enough to sustain you through dark times? When you have almost no, in fact, no evidence except a feeling and a word. Can a word sustain you long enough to keep you until the coming of the Lord? Can you make it through government upheaval and takeover of your life or shifting oppressors or sickness or disease or death or trouble? Can you make it through that? These are, I can't answer these questions for you. You've got to answer them for yourself. Can you make it through bankruptcy and stay saved? Can you make it through cancer and keep your faith? Can you make it through disappointments and trouble and abandonment and still love God and you have no evidence of him around? Can you say to yourself, I know the Lord's coming back. I'm not giving up right now. I might be in the mundane, but I'm going to be drawn by the Spirit. I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to go about my duties. And the question now becomes, who are we waiting for? Is Jesus enough? David Guggenheim, I didn't really know his name, I had to look him up, but he released his documentary of, of my title 11 years ago, but then I remembered, but this word has no reflection on his intent. Wayne Cook and his group, not my style, they tilted their song in the same direction of my title. He's not alone, there have been thousands of people that referenced this Fictitious hero. Perhaps in 1938, when Jerry Siegel first created Superman, he had no idea how high he would actually leap. Decades later, there are storytellers, songwriters, and now sermons which use his reference. When Superman first came about, he couldn't fly. He could just leap tall buildings in a single bound. He could outrun a locomotive but he couldn't fly. Now I lean towards the fighting, fighting for fives interpretation, but that's another interpretation, another, another sermon for another day. It's, never mind. The musing of my brain. No, it's, it's Chris Daughtry's lyric that arrested my attention, waiting for Superman. And, and, and Daughtry, he, he, writes about hope. He writes about a girl who's waiting for her Superman. She makes excuses for her Superman because he never shows up during the course of the song. She looks for him, but she cannot find him. All of her questions are going to be answered if, if he would just come. She believes he'll come. But there she stands and clouds roll by, he writes. She says, he's just a little bit late he got stuck at the five and dime saving the day. Superman. Daughtry tapped into something that resonated to an entire generation of listeners. It didn't just grace the billboard charts. It was a, it was a commentary. Young people were grasping a hold of it. And folks have talked about that. In fact, commentators have now written that it was a song that pulled back the curtain of this generation's hopelessness. They were looking for an answer, a relief, something or someone. He wrote of the fleeting moment and uncover the, uncover the heartbeat of an age. 
But Superman, their rescue moment, did not come. There was no Superman. No quantum leap forward. No fulfilled vision. No gain. No pot of gold. The danger happens when time extends and hope is lost. Waiting for Superman wasn't just a person. It was more about the idea of, of some moment where, where you kind of win the lottery. Your ship comes in or your dreams come true. And over time when things don't pan out or the waiting stretches beyond your strength, that's where so many people find themselves. They're still waiting for the moment. Hope lost turns into regret. And I wanted to preach about the day when Jesus came the first time, but the Lord prodded me to tell of his second coming. Because a lot of people are waiting for Superman and they'll never find their Superman moment or what they want. <laughs> so the Lord just poked at me. And I, I know this is, a, this is our Christmas morning and everybody has some reflection of Christmas on maybe or sitting next to somebody who looks like a Christmas tree. In fact, I was under inspection today to make sure that I was appropriately dressed with the right tie. And Tammy said, oh good. The Lord just poked at me because I don't want to get trapped into a moment where we're talking about just the birth of Jesus Christ. There's more than the birth. But 2,000 years of waiting for the only one who can really fly... 2,000 years of waiting for the only one who can really defy the laws of nature, who put them into place himself, who has all the power in his hands, he of whom the angels cry holy and the heavens bow beneath. 2,000 years of waiting will stretch your belief. It's far beyond your lifetime. That's why Jesus asked the question of all of us. He asked in Luke 8 and 8, 18 and 8, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You see, his first coming is the, is the, is the root of this time. It's, it's why we're here. The, the, first, the first of his coming, this is what everyone's doing today. We all know the date. But the second time he comes, he's going to come like a thief in the night. And no one knows the day or the hour. It's going to be worth your wait, ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord comes back. Whatever you're going through or whatever you're going to go through, the Spirit's calling everybody, come inside the house. Come on inside the house. Keep serving and keep looking and don't give up now. The first time he came, he is presented as a vulnerable child, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. But the second time, the Bible says his vesture is dipped in blood and his name, his name is written on it. And I say today, you cannot miss the moment. You can miss Christmas if you need to. But don't miss the rapture. The first time, he is subject to the care of his mother. He grows, the Bible says, in stature and in wisdom. But the second time, he has all power in heaven and earth are in his hands. And Colossians 2.15 says it like this. And having spoiled principalities or ruined them in powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Can you keep your hope alive? Will you wait for him? Five of those ten betrothed virgins did not make it a little carelessness here a distraction there their whole life in preparation only to be empty in the last hour the first time he came 
He took on the form of a servant and came in the likeness of men. Isaiah said, he hath no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Just a common man among men. But the second time John saw it, he painted the picture of the future. Revelation 1. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as flame of fire. His feet like unto a fine brass, as if they'd been burned in the furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And I, I, I stand here not, not, not just to... I don't want to preach a pretty word, but I, I feel like people have been waiting for something all their life, but they're, 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 they, they've, you've got your affections in the wrong place. You're waiting for your Superman moment, but you're not waiting for the Lord. You've got to get back waiting for the Lord. You might be waiting for Christmas, and I know we were all excited to wait for Christmas because that was the day when we were little kids, but there's something far greater. When you put off the immaturity, and you grow up like a man, like a lady, like a, and you say, there's something beyond the date on the calendar. I'm waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. This is what the saints wait for. You see... The day after Christmas and the week after Christmas, and I was reading this a couple years ago. It came back to my memory. But later on, there's a massive amount of returns. People return things. Some people smile at their gifts, knowing that they do not want the gift that was given to them. And other people know that they don't want the gift. And so before you open the gift, someone will say, now listen, if you don't like that, I have the receipt. And if you really know that they're not going to like the gift, you talk more about how they don't need to have it and you're happy to return it and you didn't know what to get them. And then the returns happen. This has been happening years and years and years and years. And then the other thing that happens is that the things that are bought are broken within a matter of hours. Sometimes they don't even last two or three days. Things are broken. And then, and then there's the heartbreak. And then, and then usually about 1st of February, not, it's not just the heartbreak and the things are returned and all that. Now the bills come in. Because we bought things we didn't need. Nobody really needed. And so right after the moment where we built all this up. Joy and, and all the things. And then there's a heartbreak. There's a letdown. There's a letdown. And, and then we're just, let's just get to next Christmas. We can just get to next Christmas. And we can get to the next high. And we can get to the next Superman moment. And we're waiting for somebody to come in. And we're hoping somebody will fulfill us. And I will tell you, not material, not things, not people, not relationships. You can't buy your way into joy. But I stand here as an oracle just to say, there is a great God. You ought to put your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. I want to... I don't want to lead you away from family time. I'm not trying to lead you away from opening up presents. Praise God. It's a wonderful time to be together. But just remember, that's not where your hope is. Your hope is not December the 25th. Your hope is the sound and the call of a trumpet. It's the last trump of God. Our joy is not in this world. You can't break it. You can't take it away. You can't return it. And I'm in consideration of an older man who knows how old he is. I've read a bunch of commentaries. In fact, in fact, one commentary said he was 200 years old. I, I can't hardly grasp that. And, 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 and that he was one of the, he, he that, that Simeon was, uh, one of the, one of the writers, uh, it, it, 
to the Septuagint, and, and others would say, well, he was over 100. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us the indication, but, but, but all of them believe he was older than Anna, 84-year-old Anna. And, 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 and he wanted to die. I think Simeon wanted to die. He wanted to go, but he just he, he, wasn't, he didn't want to leave this world until he finally found his answer. He, he was going to hold out to the end. And I, I know those kind of people. I, in fact, I've been at bedsides with people who, who did, they were, they, their bodies, something was happening in their bodies. They were holding on and, and they should have passed days and days, but they were waiting. And we all even said it. They were waiting for someone to come in. And now that you're here, they, they passed. It was like that. I think there's some kind of willpower. I, I don't know. I can't, it's not scientifically proven, I don't think. I don't know if there's a, a medical, a medical proof for it, but, but I do know in the Bible, there is Simeon waiting. He said, I've got to wait. I don't want to die. Let me just see the end of this time. I've passed through all this trouble. I just want to know that this is real. I want to know this is, this is right, that I didn't live my whole life. And when they brought the baby in, it was a recognition, even though he had never seen him and didn't know his name, the spirit drew him. Yes, there he is. Give me that baby. And Anna said, likewise. And the answer, of course, is that they were waiting diligently and never giving up, no matter what the outside conditions are. And I rise to say, how have the outside conditions changed just in the course of a couple of years? Just a few years ago, we never would have imagined we are where we are now. We never. I got on the airplane and I have a TSA pre-check, which is wonderful. I can keep my shoes on and my belt on and, and I don't have to get my, I don't have to get my, my computer out of its bag and, 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 and I feel, I feel a little guilty and also a little arrogant and snide. I feel uppity. Uh, even sometimes I feel real uppity because I'm watching other people go through the line and I'm saying, you poor chaps. You have no pre-check. Nasty feet coming out. You have to take off all, all of your clothes. Your, all your, and the guys over there yelling, all of your electronics come out, all of your electronics. And I look over them, just kind of raise my nose up. You can't all be pre-check. Some are, some are born this way. Who would have thought that we would have to take a belt off and I'm watching this lady go in and out, go in and out, back and forth, back and forth. They're trying to find the metal. They, they finally found the little metal clip, and, and now you can go through. She was just frantic. She kept saying to the people, I don't know what I have left. I don't know what I have left. She finally found the little metal piece, and, and they let her go. Little grandma. I'm like, come on, look at the lady. She ain't going to do any harm. You smash her like a bug. What, what's wrong? Why, why is this? But you know, 9-11 just changed our whole world. There's a, in 9-11, there's a huge spike of people attending church, just a mass of people attending church because everyone was gripped and felt, he's coming, something's happening, we got to go to church. And all the churches were filled, but a few years later, you know, the newness wore off and all the presence broke. People had a return spirit. Phew, plummeted. Now we're lower than we've ever been. Now, not just that, now the government wants to dictate that no one will go to church, no one will get together and, it's not going to get better in 2022. Don't think it's ever going to get better. You're never going to get out of it. Because precedents have been set. In law, it's called stare decisis. Let the decision stand. And they're going, to, they're going to rely upon stare decisis for every decision now it's going to stand. You, we, we have no idea what's going to happen. In fact, we've been, we, we've been basking in freedom that we have no idea 
how beautiful it is. And we complain about things we should never complain about. And we, and we have issues that are not even issues. <laughs> They're not even issues. Oh my, oh Jesus, Jesus, help us. And, uh, and, and we're not going to do that here. We're, we're not going to complain about issues. We're, we're not, we don't have, let me tell you, most of us in here, we have, you have no issue. You don't have no issue. God's good to you. You have no issue. There are no issues. There are no issues. In fact, I was just talking to, to my brother-in-law, David, just talking about the hospital and little children waiting for, waiting for organ transplants. And it's very depressive. And he said some of the kids are a little combative. It's, it's tough. It's a tough thing. And, and, and something happened in our home, and, and about the, right at that time, uh, a- Amy uh, found out, your mama found out she had a tumor in her esophagus. I saw her at Walmart, um, and we had prayer time in the bread aisle. We were speaking in tongues in the bread aisle. Just wanted you to know, the Holy Ghost fell right there, right in the second aisle, right there over the bread aisle. We pray, and I looked around. People were like leaving, leaving the aisle. They didn't want to stay. I didn't care. I was just pleading the blood over her body, and she was just praying, and I was just... We found out some of her condition right around Thanksgiving is when I got, I got the text. It might have been happening before, but there was some kind of major thing that happened. And, and then another issue had happened in church. And it was right during that time, our hot water heater went out. And, and we were, the, the insurance company was supposed to fix the hot water heater. So, but our hot water heater is connected to our geothermal heat, so there was no heat or hot water in the house. And, 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 and you know, I, I, about the time I wanted to really complain about that, I, there was, every, every day there was another issue, and it was bigger, and I thought, wait, this is no issue, this is no issue, we can find a place to have a shower, or just put on a lot of axe, isn't that what all the boys who use this, you don't even have to take a shower to spray all that stuff on, and I, <laughs> it's a mixture of different things, <laughs> Uh-huh. Every, every, and, and we got through. We got hot water here. Praise God! It's it, after three weeks. It's 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 back. We're you know there's there's hot water. We're alive. It's wonderful. We had a little clap offering. You know, I'm not going to live and die by that. No, because there's something else happening. I'm thinking. Wait a second. I can get so distracted by the stuff here. I'm not looking for what the real hope is. Do you know that that's what, that's what the world is about? Their Superman is a hot water heater. Their Superman is a new car. Their Superman is a new job. Their hope is someone that, that will love them. Their hope is that things will get a little bit better. They're hoping for something better. That's not my hope. I'm not waiting for Superman. I'm waiting for the Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus. You have the revelation in you. I'm not preaching to a temporal crowd. I'm preaching to a people who have their eye on eternity. Hey, and I pray that you don't get locked into a calendar. Don't get locked into a calendar. The end of, Jan- the end of December and the 1st of January, there is no difference there. 
It's just a matter of moments and minutes, and it's not going to change life. Life's not going to change because something flipped over. I'll tell you when it's going to change. It's when you rise up and say, nothing's getting in my way. I'm going to have kingdom. I'm going to have kingdom on my mind. I'm going to have Jesus in my heart. I'm going to be saved. I'm looking for my redemption. a lot of questions here because the answers have to be answered by you the answers come from your own life it's not not just your words but your life and we can say that we believe in the lord but but all those are just lip service james said that our faith is only as good as our work in fact he said faith is dead if there's no work being alone that's called dead faith can you believe that people have dead faith there's dead, dried up faith. It's just something that comes out of your mouth. That's not the same as doing something with your faith. Dry, hopeless, dried up faith. It won't get you very far. But waiting for Jesus and going about the things of the kingdom every day, serving day and night, fast and pray every night until he comes. That's the key. That's the key. And I'll conclude this word today just with Paul's conclusion of his life. I don't I don't know really the suffering of Paul's heart and mind. I do know that he was an apostle. He was a church planner. I know that he was prophetic. and I know that he was used of God as a writer. I know that he was moved on by the Holy Ghost. I know that he had a thorn in his flesh that wouldn't go away. I know that there was a torment in his mind. I know that he grieved over the lost brethren and he rejoiced over the maturity of the young men. And Paul's going to conclude his life. He's going to say this. And I want to read it to you. Second Timothy 4. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Just pause and just know. Paul's end was a sacrifice. He was going to die. He considered himself a sacrificial lamb. And then he said this. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And here is what we're looking for. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. Not to me only, but to all of them that love his appearing. Amen. So no matter where you are in life, what your emotional state is, I say this, keep the faith. Keep working. Have prayer and fasting in your life. Don't let the world dictate your joy. Don't complain about things that don't matter. I'll buy you some Axe spray. We'll put you in the back corner. We'll boil water to wash your dishes. We can do that. Come on, it, don't, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There's, there's, a, there's a place. It's, it's going to be okay. That's a temporal thing. We're talking about eternal things. That's a, that, it, it, that's a temporal thing. You have some money trouble, that's a temporal thing. Just work another job or spend less or do whatever, pray. But if you start giving, I, I think the Lord will, will, will take away some of, that, some of those issues. But these are temporal things. We're looking for his appearing. I'm loving his appearing. I'm looking my hope. There's a crown waiting for me. You see, if you get sucked into waiting for the next high, all you're doing is waiting for your Superman. 
If you, if you buy into the notion of commerce and the commercials and all the things that you see in here every day, you just bought into waiting for your Superman. If you think maybe that there's some good self-help method or some motivational speech, or if you could just get to a counselor that you'd be okay, you're just waiting for your Superman. I want to tell you, he's not coming. That's not coming. Those are false highs. That's not coming. Don't live from one big moment to another big moment. But just know, if I'm weighed down, if I'm through a valley, one day the Lord's going to come back and he's going to split the eastern sky. He's going to put his foot down on the Mount of Olivet. And I know that he's coming with lightning in his hands. Amen. So this Christmas, we're going to be thankful for the moments that we have, but we're not going to give up our faith regardless of how big or small, great or minimal the moments are because we're not here to get more stuff under a tree or get another gift or another card or eat another cake or another, another ham. We're here today to serve God. We're not going to change next week we're not going to be different the week after that we're still going to love God and in the middle of oppression in the middle of a dark day in the middle of a dark night in the middle of government takeover if you become a military state there's going to be a church and a people that are going to rise up and say I'm waiting I'm looking for the consolation of Israel a light to lighten the Gentiles what are we sad about you've got the Holy Ghost Let of the Spirit. Come on, stand with me now. Uh, Yes. Yes. You don't even have to try to be counterculture. All you have to do is believe in the same thing you believed in yesterday. You don't even have to work at it. All you have to do is believe that there's only one God, that his name is Jesus, that he came to save his people from their sins, and that he's coming back, and he's the hope of the whole world. We rejoice in his first coming, but there's nothing like his second coming. We're grateful for his first coming. It's a blink, a moment away, and we'll step over the holiday. But we're always looking for the second coming. Amen. Amen. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I just want you to put aside all the thoughts of your heart and mind. I want you to say in in your heart, I want to go to heaven, Lord. I, I want to be saved. I want to see you. This is what I want to see in my life. upon Jesus look full 
in his wonderful face yes and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strange lead him in the light of his glory and grace come on sing that with me again turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this old world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, have a change of affection today right here. Come on, an expectation. If you walked in with the wrong expectation of what these next few days mean, change it right now in Jesus' name. I'm looking for your coming, Lord, my heart. If you want to give your heart to Jesus today, you're not exactly sure how to do that. I'm going to invite you to come to this front. Just stand with your with your hand up. Would you do that? Just come to the front. If you feel like you want to give your heart to the Lord today, I'm inviting anyone who wants to come. Say, I just like to, I want to give my heart to God. I need, I need a recommitment to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strange lead him in the light I like these old songs but what I do want I want to keep in that same prayerful mode yes 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 the Lord is moving in this house. Just reach out to Jesus wherever you're standing, wherever you're at now. 
That's good. If you're at home, watch this. Just reach out to the Lord with all of your heart. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, speak his name wherever you're standing, wherever you're sitting, speak his name. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Yes, I feel the draw of the Holy Ghost. I'm inviting everyone just to, you need this now. You need this moment. Just take a few minutes now here. You need this moment. Come on, ask the Lord to clean your heart. You've been talking the wrong talk. I've got to get my affection set on things above. You spoke to me, Lord. You put me in this place right here, Lord. Hallelujah, Savior. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, say take joy, my King, in what you It be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. Come on, we're doing it again. Oh, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you oh 
I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I worship you. Come on, don't lose your first love. Don't lose your first passion. And when he called you, don't lose the sound of that first call. Keep serving with prayer and fasting night and day. Oh, take joy. My king, my king, in what you hear, ah, let it be a sweet, let it be a sweet sound, let it be a sweet sound. I want to leave here singing about the marvelous name of our Lord. I want to leave here with a change of heart and a change of mind. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get dragged down and things that don't matter. Come on, somebody keep working, keep serving.